Hi, Carl. Hello, so, how are we doing? Good, thank you. Thank you for being my first guest. So we're no here problem. to talk about ADHD and the struggles and the positives. So what age were you diagnosed in the first place for it? Um, so mine was only till high school, but we had somebody come in and have a look at us in primary school because I'm very old, so I don't think it even existed really. Um, and they did something where they were coming in and they were looking at, they did a, it was kind of like a test that they did with your eyes using a red light. Um, and they basically picked some kids who were naughty or, or, right, okay. or badly behaved or something like that. And apparently it was something that was done around about the area. And it was how quick, basically, they get a red light on like, like the end of a pen and they get to follow it from one side to the other and then they have to just see how many times it takes you before all of a sudden you start looking at something else the opposite way and that was the first ever test that I got kind of about it but then wasn't diagnosed until I was well into high school years I think it was like year nine or year ten right, okay. I think at that point. So then it was year nine when you were then diagnosed <clears throat> or assessed for it what kind of led you to the assessment then apart from the first bit? It wasn't as much. It was it was issues that I amazingly had um, with sleeping at the time. So like my one of my really early things I found really trouble was the ability to just go to sleep or just to switch off. Mm. So I had loads of weird things that I did when I was a kid. So my first one that I did was chess. So just a game of chess. That would be a relentless thing. So I would play chess normally. Then I would play chess both sides of the board. Um, and then I, I, I then. So, there was a point where I was about, this was coming to the end of primary school where I took a clock off the wall. And then what I do is I take the clock apart then put the clock back together again. And then I start to think to myself, I wonder how fast I could do that. And then you realize that you wasted four hours of oh, wow. night time or something like that. And then, and then there was a few things where I was a little bit snappy, I think in school and things like that. And then you know, other things lead to other things and stuff. And then they thought, well, let's just see exactly what it is. And then they uh, they branded me with that ADHD kind of thing. And then put me on, uh, but I don't think they even use it anymore now. Um, uh, Ritalin was the first one. Mm. And then obviously yeah. it changed to concerta shortly after. So how was, how was school overall for you then? Sort of academically, friendships, that type of stuff? If it was, um, if it was, it's, it's weird. If point A to point B made sense, then it was then it was really good. If it's something just to say, look, learn this, and that's exactly the bit that you learn. It's fantastic. It's when there's too many variables to a subject that, um, like you know, you, you get from A to B. But if you have to go round here first, that's pointless. Why would you do that? You just go that way because it makes no sense to do you know the other things. And then someone says, no, you need to do it this way, and then you get frustrated. And then mm. people think that ADHD uh, people who have ADHD are angry or snappy it's not mm -hmm. that it's just that the fact that it, what you're telling me at this particular moment in time doesn't make sense yet you are speaking to me in a manner in which it says well, it should make sense and i think that's the one thing i think you know there is a little bit of a, a little bit of a flare-up you can have when things don't go totally right in the classroom mm -hmm. um but i vented that essentially with sport i was very 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 sporty and what's weird i think is if you if you're good at sport in school you can kind of get away with some of the other stuff. If you're not yeah. sporty, it's not kind of as cool. So the acceptance for me was let's be as sporty as possible, be the most sporty person in the school. And I think that made a big difference. What do you think would have helped you looking back now? And if we're thinking about, because um, one of the things I'd like to do going forward is to get into schools on a training side of things, working with staff. 
and pastoral staff on helping um, young people in the classroom you know you know if you think about what you're saying about it being too many variants and I've got to admit mm. Mikey's very much like that like with maths he gets it but when he's asked to put the working down on paper <laughs> variable yeah <laughs> yeah he just struggles and then he gets really frustrated so I guess for you what would help you in that um, it's a weird one, really. It's just an acceptance that everybody learns in a different way, in a different style, and a different speed. So I can't remember what the quote was. I can't remember even who, who did it, but it said, if you engage every, was it, it's a test or an exam or something like that. And it was a load of animals lined up. Um, and it says here, this is wrong. what's wrong with the educational system. And it was like, there was a monkey, there was an elephant, there was a this, 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 there was a slug and a fish and everything. They said, right, climb that tree. And obviously, you know, two of them could do it. The rest of them couldn't do it, but that was what they were judging that test on. Mm -hmm. So obviously two of them were physically and mentally able in order to do that. And the rest just weren't cut out for it. And I think there's so many labels and so many things you can have now that um, it's going to be impossible to, and it sounds weird because not someone who's got ADHD should say, we should just all cater for ADHD. What's weird is I don't think you really can because there's that many things out there, be it autism. Mm -hmm. And even if you go to the more extreme thing, like, you know, like, um, like Tourette's and things like that. Mm -hmm. How do you teach somebody who's got that kind of thing? So I think it's more just a general and a wider acceptance that everybody's going to learn at a different speed and a different way. But the way the educational system works, I mean, if you think about it, if we go back a while, it didn't used to be based upon coursework. It used to be based purely on you sit down in front of a, you know, in front of a bit of paper and it's tick boxes and your exam is there. And then they found out that a lot of people couldn't really deal with that kind of higher pressure environment, or they just didn't learn and put their experience out that way, which is why then when they brought in more coursework based, um, um, essentially ways of testing uh, children, this is going all the, all the way to the university, obviously, but then you've got to see that people who used to have a much lower uh, like range of results got a hell of a lot higher because they found a different way that they could output mm what it is that they wanted to say. And also because there wasn't a time restraint, they didn't have to have that. How do I get around this really, really quickly? They have more time to almost rationalize everything. Yeah. So I think more, it's more, it's not as much of a way where we can say, do this a little bit differently. It's just a acceptance in that if someone doesn't get something right away that way, be open to trying different avenues. I, that's probably the, the, the safest way. Yeah. And I think it's some of what I see in schools is a very set formula. And then if you don't um, adhere to that formula, then that's when the difficulties come. So tried and tested, the, they call it, don't they? Absolutely. Tried and tested. We've done it forever. We've done it yeah, forever. It works. It's fine. Yeah. You know, but like you said, when you were younger, there wasn't um, so much um, research acknowledgement that ADHD existed. You're it just was naughty. you were just naughty. And even now, I still find it in the schools that I work in. It's you know, I've had I've had teachers say to me oh I, I don't believe in this ADHD stuff it's just it's just an excuse and I'm like wow really we're, we're you know 2021 now are we still on that perception of things but one of the things I hear a lot from the students I work with and, and sort of things that I've seen is that actually and um, like the audio side of stuff can be really beneficial so even yeah. things like um I don't know learning French vocab if they're told to it's they've got the vocab in front and you cover it up and then you write it and then you check it again too much going on yeah, yeah if you record the french vocab and they listen through the headphones and it might be a two minute recording and they're like that they just get it and that to me is not rocket science 
it's like the difference in audiobooks and stuff like that as well. I mean, so here's one thing actually, it's dead weird. He just kind of brought this up. So the way I read a book is very different to how other people read a book. So you obviously have a bookmark or something like that. I can't have just a small bookmark. Say, say the page is, is, is say this long here. Yeah. What I can't do is I can't have, I can't keep reading all of it. And I'll, I'll show you the exact way that the, the exact problem that I have is that I have to put a bookmark underneath each line, but it has to cover mm -hmm. the rest of the page. So I go down and I follow line by line because it always starts with the letter E. So what I'll do is, as I start, I look for, if, if the whole page is up, I will be reading it. I won't take any of it in, but I will read all of it. And then I'll think to myself, I'll start with one letter E and I'll go, I wonder how many letter E's there are on this page. And as I'm reading it, I'll go through it. And then the next thing I goes, if I joined all those E's together like that, I wonder what country that'd look like the outside of. And, it was weird. and then you get to the end of the page and you go, what the hell have I just, I'll go back and start it all again. Wow. So you can't have too many things. So that's where the distraction side comes from. But if the, for some reason, that's my, my thing. I start with one letter. As soon as you see a letter E, I go, well, there's one, there's one, there's one. There's one. Ah, that looks like Africa. What are we talking about now? Let's go back to it. <laughs> sounds so it's, weird, doesn't it? But I guess in a way that's, that's, you're, you're, it sounds like you're quite a visual person and you're seeing the visual patterns, aren't you? And, picking yeah, that bit. Yeah. and it's obviously something that kind of intrigues you. Otherwise, you wouldn't do yeah. it, would you? But well, I love it, it's an analysis as well. I love that, like, analysing everything. I like to try and find certain ways. So remember, not that point A to point B, give me time and I like to be able to find different things. Hence, the, the like, the fight coach thing. Yeah. Because I get to actually read and go, how do we do that? I'll work away around that instead. I work away. Oh. It's a bit different to everybody else and see what we can do. Okay. Well, that's a very interesting way. They brought it on the reading side of it. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Ah. So I think because there's one of the things that I've been learning a lot about recently is that when you have, um, for want of a better word, a diagnosis of one, say, neurodiversity, quite often you can have up to six. So it could be that somebody who has ADHD could also have dyslexia or dysgraphia. Yeah or dyscalculia um in and it all and the same with autism you can have autism and adhd yeah um you know but i think someone said to me once if you've met one person with adhd or you've met one person with autism you've met one person with with autism because yeah. the spectrum is so big so wide, yeah that there's not many people that are going to be exactly the same so i think that kind of meeting people as a one-to-one -one and understanding their needs is so essential in schools, but I feel like it's not enough time given or there isn't enough people yeah. who know enough about it. Well, I think like, like I just said then, as in like there's so many different ways around what ADHD actually is. I mean, I've got uh, ways that I have, I know that I have particular traits that I'm only just, I'm 36 now, so I'm, I'm I'm getting on a bit now to be on just, oh, God, I'm, only don't just start. I'm older than that. <laughs> I'm only just, I'm only just been able to come up with um, what Joe Ray's realizing going, do you know what? I do need to actually change that myself. So what I have, it's attention deficit, hyperactive disorder, hyperactive disorder. Yeah. Brilliant. Attention deficit is quite weird because mm. it's only when it doesn't interest me anymore. And this yeah. is what's quite weird. So, um, so my wife's just walked past her. Right? She's just gone into the, um, she's going into the lounge now and she'll know firsthand the, the main issue that I've got, I'll come up with an idea. And if the idea I think is really good, nobody will tell me that idea is not a good idea. It, like nobody will in the slightest. So then what I will do is I will put all of my time for, it could be, and it, 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 it doesn't be short, it could be two weeks. I could be relentless for two weeks going, this is amazing, this is fantastic. And I'll do it by coming up with a business. 
I'll come up with a business idea. This is the best business ever. It's going to change the world. I'm going to be a big gazillionaire. I'm going to do all this, all this. And a week later, I'll go, I've got another idea that's even better than that one. And I will leave it all. And I've done it with, and I'd say that I've done now. I started with, I've, I, I, I started off, I tried to launch a hat brand years ago. And it was called, I remember I, I walked into, I was having a drink, sorry, with the bar with one of my mates and he had a hat on. The hat was a designer brand hat. And I went, how much did that hat cost? He went, oh, it's 85 quid just for a cap. And I went, bloody hell, they might as well have wrote gullible on your forehead. <laughs> and then something switched in my head and I went, oh my God, what an amazing social experiment. And by the end of that, um, by the end of us having drinks, I'd ordered, um, I got the branding done for these hats. I'd done the boxes. I'd sourced the hats. I'd sourced the embroidery and it was said gullible across the front. It was a social experiment of could I actually sell hats that said gullible on the top of them? I then did that. I then tried to set up something else called um, uh, Past It, Think Not. And that was something that a program was going to send out for um, essentially old age pensioners to stay fit at home. And it was called oh, yeah, Past It, Think Not. And it was how to do that. Then I thought, oh no, I'll do something a bit better. I'll do a school one. So instead of PE teachers having to come up with their lessons, I'll create um, a, a program and a system where they can go in and pick like lessons to do in their school. And I'll call it Superheroes in Training. I thought that sounded amazing. Until a week later, I worked out the acronym of Superheroes in Training was, was shit. But right, well, I can't use that next. And then I, then I started a new company called Robotoad. And Robotoad, I really like the branding. And I got it because they said, again, the ADHD mind, if you want to get a personalized greeting card, do you go to personalizedgreetingcard.com? No, you go to Moonpig. So in my head, I went, that's amazing. You just come up with something that's really memorable. So I created Robotoad and I brought in bobbleheads from China and sold them. And then I did something else and something else and something else and something else. And it's only, I'd say, over the past six months, I've gone, right, I'm going to focus on what I can do. And it's so hard because I see someone do something, mm. I go, I could do that. And that's the danger of, 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 of the, uh, the attention deficit. You have attention higher than any human being will ever had it. And then all of a sudden it's zero, yeah, zero. And that's, I think absolutely. where people struggle because yeah. like I, I, at starting businesses, I think I'm phenomenal at running businesses. If I lose interest, pointless, gone, yeah. waste of time. Absolutely. So it's getting an ADHD person in the right role. Maybe more of a creative role than yeah but they do say don't they some of the best entrepreneurs and some of the yes. gazillionaires you're talking about <laughs> yeah. you know down the line when they come out and talk about something they have adhd and it is that kind of quick thinking creativity yeah but a lot of the research talks around now that actually sort of autism and adhd is evolutionary Mm -hmm. And it's and it's happened and it's been needed because we need creative minds to think outside of the box and come up with these ideas, but also the hyper-focus side of it to give it that 100% when yeah. nothing else is going to distract. And, you know, it'll be those people that have come up with the best inventions and the best businesses and cures yeah. for diseases. So the, the thinking around at the moment is that it is evolutionary that we've had to evolve to do this because of the world changing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some would argue, Carl, that you are actually now becoming a, a higher thinking human, you know, Brilliant. at the top of the food chain. <laughs> Brilliant. I will say this, another part of it, you know, you said like hyper-focused as well, which is hyper-focused yeah. brilliant. And like I said, that anyone who's got ADHD will be hyper-focused up until something else comes along that takes to takes the attention. Yeah. But let's say I'm on my first two days of coming up with this, this revolutionary idea. 
what I think can look really bad to other people is let's say my wife comes in, do you want to, do you, do you want to try and make a conversation with me and have a do something on a computer? And I go, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take nothing in, nothing mm-hmm. for two days, nothing. And then that's good. People think they're arrogant. What's the, why is it not paying any attention, not doing this, not doing this? So because my attention's there, it's not there. So that's something I think that's really, really important to try and get across as well. Um, and also mm. having a conversation with someone, my favorite saying, and I've used this one when I talk about ADHD forever is, we, I call it, the, there's something shiny over there okay. syndrome. And it's like, you're having a conversation with somebody. And then if you see something in there that getting your attention more, you're listening, you're talking to this person, but you're really wondering, what the hell's that over there? And we call yeah. it, I'm going to start with that. There's something shiny over there. Like, oh, yeah, I'm all right now. Yeah, yeah turns out it was yeah. a... Uh, it was one of them little nice mints. That's all it was. So it was a Ferrero Rocher. Carry on. Tell me what you're doing. <laughs> How does that impact you and your wife then? Uh, compromise. Compromise. No, she's she's fantastic at it. She's brilliant at it now. She she can read if I'm on a um if if it's because I can have I can also have, I can have good ticks and bad ticks as well because that we say that when. We, I class ticking as a bit different. You know, I've got a couple I'll do. Like I'll notice, I'll always do. It's a dead weird one. It's the back of my neck. I'll always do that. You'll see me do it randomly, which is really bad because I'm going bald as well. But you'll see it all the time. I do that <laughs> one as a tick. Um, but I have ticking periods where uh-huh. I can be overly happy, as in like overly happy, overly enthusiastic, overly everything. Or I can be, essentially get out the wrong side of bed, just ticking badly, but it's it's just bad. And mm-hmm. so I think early on in a relationship that can be really tricky because people think you're just being an ass mm. well, in reality, but it's a short period of time. And then all of a sudden it'll just go and it'll vanish. But I can kind of feel that coming on a little bit steadily now. So if I have that, um, I'll just say, I'm just ticking a bit low at the moment. Just ticking low. She goes, cool. See you later. She'll go in that room. I'll go in that room. I'll go for a walk. I'll go to the gym. I'll go and hit the bag a few times, something like that. And then it's all good. So I think compromise is so important because everybody's going to have their weird little, uh, their weird little traits. I suppose yeah. the good thing about ADHD is we we can say no, I'm I'm having this at the moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're that, well, you got that. If you follow me, then it's going to yeah. kick off a little bit. But, but that takes yeah. great that takes great self awareness, though, doesn't it? And it, yeah. it sounds like you've had to do quite a lot of reflecting on yourself to understand mm. that. I guess some people maybe don't have that awareness or even know how to reflect on that or don't have a support network around them to encourage that. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, but from what you're saying, it's that communication, isn't it? If you can talk about it and not have any feelings of shame around your ADHD and you yeah. can communicate that, it, you know, it takes away some of that tension, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, well, like, like they're not hiding the ADHD things funny because I've got so many kids now at the martial arts school and we have people messages coming into the, you know, into the, into the page and people contact us and everything like that. And they get in contact now quite a lot going, um, is this the one that Carl coaches at? And yeah, whoever's the coach goes, yeah, it's Carl. I said, right. My kids got ADHD and we've been referred because we know that your instructor has ADHD and all my coaches go, yes, he does. Yeah, he does. Brilliant. Come on in. And we refer to it as our oh, maze. It's like a little superpower. It's a superpower because you're going to be able to work at things faster than other people and oh. everything like that. So we do it more as, oh, it's weird. It's like a, a celebration kind of thing. Yeah. Because I always go, without without ADHD, I'd be well boring. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's that embracing it, isn't it? You know, it's embracing um, who you are, embracing and accepting that you know, you might have different complexities to someone else, but also them complexities can be, like you say, super, superpower. Some of my best sessions have been 
in and around kids with ADHD and they do all have a superpower and I think it's yeah. an amazing way to look at it I find it energizing like they mm. I come out of sessions feeling energized the, you know and quite often they're like you say being labeled the naughty kid yeah um, but honestly they crack me up like some of the things I've heard them say on the corridors to teachers and I have to stand covering my mouth What's what's interesting is you, the, 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 what it's the, the awful thing with the superpower thing is there's going to be there's going to be a vice at some point and it, this is the weird one so I didn't work this one out and this one I don't really talk about this one that much, um, so mine was in my very late teens, very early twenties, I um, through work this is through work I used to work at a a charity as a trainee accountant, and I got referred for anger management. <laughs> which is quite interesting um i i think i threatened to kill about eight people in work and i got and we, and then i went to anger management and it didn't take long for them to work out essentially what it is that i've got and i remember the term like it was yesterday it's called by it's called a hypersensitivity snap complex that's what right. it's that's what it was called and what it was is people can say anything they can say anything they want but if and the, 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 this is the exact thing if it's something that i feel i know more about than the other person and then they tell me that I'm wrong, even though I know that I know more about it. I, I for some reason, I'm hypersensitive on that one thing. Mm. It's, it's so strange. It's so strange. So um, the whole 10 second cool down thing where people say, when you get really angry, count to 10. So that doesn't work for me on hypersensitive snap complex because I call that a countdown. So I mm. count down, I get seven, six, and I get to three going, I'm going to kill you when I get to one, three, <laughs> two, one. And what's amazing is that's, again, a tried and tested approach to anger management, count to 10. And all I do is I get more, it's like I get hotter and redder every single number. Yeah. When I get to 10, I'm going to rip your face off. So you've got to find different ways. And what mine, uh, and then you've got to find what your cooling is. My cooling was imagine all of the people who I hold in close regard, in high regard to me, um, imagine if all of those people stood next to me as I got to 10 about to kill this person, what would their thoughts be of me? And that's my cooler. And I go, yeah, right. Fair enough. But it's dead I weird. Really it, took like me, that. it took me up to 20. It took me up to about 21 to find out that. I mean, I can, I can still flip off the handle occasionally now, but nowhere near as much as I could. I got it for eight late teens, early twenties. I was becoming quite a, quite a dangerous person <laughs> but good. I guess hormones are kicking in as well and it's almost like a double whammy isn't it you know I think for boys in particular hormones kick in you know testosterone that aggressive nature comes in a little bit more I think yeah. then when when you have ADHD as well it does kind of you know make that storm in that teacup mm -hmm. or stormier mm -hmm. Um, and I think that it's so misunderstood at times, but I absolutely agree with you. The, the whole counting to 10, I don't know anybody that that's worked with. Um, <laughs> and I think the other thing with, that I've found through my work as well as home life is we might find a strategy that works and I think, brilliant, got it. Three, four weeks later, that strategy doesn't work anymore. Yeah, yeah. So it's constantly coming up with new ways of... Of, of helping to calm and cool off or, you know, safe spaces and things like that. It's almost similar to say like, say Chris with the gym and things like that, for example. So in a physical sense, you've got your shock and stimuli phase and then your adaptation phase. It's the same thing with anything, you know, related more, more, more in terms of, of mentality, which is 
you, 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 whatever the stimuli is that you're getting, it's how you will adapt to that. And the same thing is how it's approached and how it's actually treated. The whole tried and tested thing is, is, is the worst thing. Yeah, that's why exams are now changing more and more and the way in which schooling is now changing more and more. And, and well, I think obviously, hence the fact that all these lessons are now been on Zoom, people can see that as well because there have been a lot of people struggling mm. on Zoom because they don't get the same peer-to-peer in, uh, -peer interaction and things like that. Um, I think essentially the evolving of how you deal with everything is always going to change because there's never going to be a black and white way to 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 solve everything i mean i watched that I, the reason i brought up that tourette's one before is my god when i thought i was having it hard with adhd i watched that show on on kids with tourette's the other day and i go how would i do it now what's amazing is i know that people when i was in school were looking going how could that teacher teach carl now i'm looking mm. at another teacher going well, I'm not that bad because how can that teacher teach that kid? So there's going to be so many levels of degrees. It's going to be one of those impossible things and people are just going to have to keep learning, keep evolving and keep adapting to the changes that are thrown at them. Absolutely. I think, I think this whole sort of COVID situation, I think has probably in the future, one of the benefits, if there is going to be many, is <laughs> going to be um, this having to readdress how children are taught yeah. Um, you know, I've just had a conversation with with um, one of the sort of mentors at Mikey's school who they've recently brought in and he's got a lot of training in ADHD. So he works with all the kids with ADHD and I've got to say he sounds brilliant and he's been doing little team sessions with Mikey, giving him strategies and things. We've just been having a conversation and he's saying, you know, we are now looking at how we're going to teach some of these kids differently in school. <laughs> Your schooling wasn't as tricky as some, but it wasn't as fruitful as it could have been either. If, if I didn't have sport, it'd have been a nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. it'd have been a nightmare. What um, like sort of therapeutic emotional support were you given sort of through your schooling, if any, <laughs> or even None. since none? None, no, no. So like, I mean, a few, there was a few, a few very interesting things happened with me when I when I got older in high school. So. I mean, in high school, we're not going to go into, I won't go into this in detail because it will not, nobody will like it. Okay. So, but my, um, my, my grandparents tried to get me um, taken into care because there was not good stuff happening at, at home. Mm. You know, a lot of abusey yeah. stuff happening, things like that. So support wise, yeah. nothing. So there was literally, there was no, from the age of, how old are you when you go into year seven? year seven 12-ish yes depending year on seven. when your birthday is 11 to 12 yeah yeah so I'm, I'm November so yeah yeah around about around about there so I'd probably say from high school onwards when my when my home situation changed massively it was from high school we moved mm. to an area and everything like that and it was just something in there so ironically this might be why it worked is that normally home is the safe place and school is the is the oh the bad place everything's really bad mine was completely flipped the opposite yeah, way absolutely because my my home place was not a safe place at all mm. so outside of that yeah. the school was very safe so you know you probably find that maybe it was a bit harder for me in school but because I was paying more attention to that being the safe place and avoiding mm. going back to there because what I do is I train I train martial arts six days a week just so I didn't need to go home so I was work training work training work training the whole time so what's weird is there was no emotional support and there was no there was no like coordinator in 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 my school at the time who dealt with people who had and I'm not I'm not going to call it special needs I don't like that word yeah, at all no. but you know 
no, but like there was no like ADHD coordinator or support network mm. or anything. You just kind of got on with it. But I would imagine that if my home life was a lot better, maybe it would have been highlighted a lot more in school. But it's just yeah. always been, it, well, it wasn't that bad. It was, it was tricky, but, you know, we got on with it and we found a way, we found ways around it. Mm. Quite interesting. I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, but one, I think it's probably, again, it's more something that happens now. And actually what I would see in schools now with somebody that has that particular home life situation, they would be given more focus and more support. And especially then if yeah. there was, um, you know, a neurodiversity alongside it. But what's that, what I found interesting through both lockdowns now is how many children are realising that school is their safe place. Yeah. And actually <laughs> yeah. without that structure support structure daily structure that's where they've really really struggled yeah um yeah. so it is it school definitely can have um bonuses in terms of kids that are not in the safest environments well i just thought then that's dead weird if covid would have happened when i was in high school that would have been horrific mm. would have been horrific so yeah. i would have without school that would have been that would have been yeah, that wouldn't have been good. Yeah, and unfortunately, sort of having, you know, to do sessions through both sets of lockdowns, sort of doing therapy sessions online like this, um, has definitely kind of highlighted to me that some, well, a lot of kids are definitely not in great environments. And I think that's no. going to be, no. I think that's going to be one of the things that comes out now that, you know, you can see I've read a lot of stats and abuse figures are up and DV figures are open. Yeah. They're yeah. the kind of silent things that haven't <laughs> been discussed on the news that much. Um, so, yeah, definitely it, that safety has been a massive, massive issue. Um, so we've talked about your struggles with um, living with ADHD, and, but I want to hear about your positives. So when you talk about some of these entrepreneurial businesses... Well, the, the businesses are weird. You can only really, because I mean, everybody has ideas. It's just that some people might go, do you know what? That idea, I think this is where maybe the sense, someone who hasn't got ADHD might be a little bit more sensible. And if they go, look, I'm going to set up this new business. Um, and then they go in their head, they might rush, they might, instead of going into it straight away, they'll think about it for 20 minutes and they'll go, that might not work actually. And so they just won't do it. Whereas an ADHD person has already, they've, they've been on Amazon Prime, they've got their files and this and this, and they've done this, and they've, they're outsourcing for logos and branding and everything like that. And then they're too far in it, they can't really stop it. So it's more based to look at the ones that you actually maybe stick with that do work. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I've, I've, got a, I've got a couple of them. I've got a couple of them. Um, well, I think Energize is probably your massive success, isn't it? Oh, good. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy, that is. But what's weird is, I mean, that is, that's a constant. What's really good is it's, it's not the same. It's not like if I had a business and I was churning out the same thing all the time, I wouldn't be able to do it. What I love about, about having the club is that I get to analyze everything. One, I get new pieces of clay daily. So um, you, you, essentially you start, you get a kid and it's a, it's a bit of clay, it's just a round bit of clay. You know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't have the skills in order to do any of the things we're going to be doing. And then you just kind of chip away at them and carve, make everything look phenomenal. And then at the end, you put those in display against other coaches who've done the same thing. Then as well as me building this person up, I get to analyze and break down everybody else. I mean, I love to look at traits now. And this is something that I really like. I did a course on, um, on, on body language a few years back. 
Um, and I did an additional one with child psychology as well. But the body language one was fantastic because I wanted to see how a coach and a fighter were acting when I couldn't hear what they were saying when they were away from me. So I got to look over the shoulder and I had to notice the body language as if maybe they're not happy with what things are going, if the coach has got a little look of desperation in their face and everything. Um, so that the, the addictiveness that I have there, do you know what I'm talking about, you know, that first two weeks when you start a new business? I've mm-hmm. still got that thing and I've had that now for about 17 years. So the good thing is that's not going to go anywhere. And it seems to work because we do really well. <laughs> you do amazing. So, so it, you know, it must seem to work. And then maybe on the flip side, though, is that there is some things in, in your head that you can't really explain why you like to do them. And I find myself constantly trying to explain this one to other people. Um, the challenges thing that I do, the fitness yeah, challenges. Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that, actually. Yeah. What it makes earth? no sense to anyone. What on earth? It Just makes explain no sense. to anybody listening some of your challenges that you've done and the one you've got coming up because they seem to just get more and more bonkers. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, what's weird is I like to, I've got this thing where in my head again, this is another one, but it's, it's again, it's obsessive, isn't it? It's, it's very, you know, it's proper, it's typically ADHD, just obsessive towards something that I said I'm going to do. My thought process is, and I always think this now, and I think it more every, every year I get a bit older, I go, what's the legacy that you're going to kind of leave behind? What are you going to be remembered for? And I go, am I going to be remembered for being really good at sitting in a pub and drinking? I'm like, oh, Carl, oh, Jen, but Carl was like, I was dead good. Yeah, we went on a night out and we got really drunk and we had a kebab. It was amazing, really good. That's what we used to do every week. You've got to be, oh, I don't know, I've got this thing about leaving something better and leaving, you know, making a good positive impact to other people by doing extreme challenges. So the, the first one I did is I'd never actually run a marathon. I just knew I'd be able to, I knew I'd be able to do it. The most I'd run before I started my first challenge, I'd run a half marathon. That was it. Um, and then I got the train to London and I ran back to Stockport in Manchester. So I'd run 10 marathons in 10 days and I hadn't run a marathon before. And on marathon seven, uh, I broke my ankle coming through uh, West Brom. So I had to run the remaining three and a bit marathons on a, um, wow. on, on a broken ankle. <laughs> that was rough. Um, then on the second one, this, I, I then did, um, I decided, and here's the thing. If I've done a running challenge, I don't want to do another running challenge because I've done it now. I've done it. Yeah. But why do the same thing? So the next one was uh, cycling. So I literally went and just bought a road bike. I cycled on it around the shop. Didn't even leave the shop. I went, right, I know what I'm doing. Let's go. And the challenge was 150 miles a day for 10 days around the country. Um, and then to show how we talk about being impulsive really quick, we did an announcement video. And at first it was supposed to be 10 days, hundred miles a day. That's what it's supposed to be. And then we got to the, um, we got to the announcement A load of people came at the club and I had all the people from the charity from the teenage cancer trust behind me. I was there with my bike and I went, right guys, this is the next challenge. And for some reason I had, I went, it doesn't sound hard enough. Doesn't sound, I had a cycling coach next to me. It was supposed to be hundred miles a day for 10 days. Um, and I went, that's hard enough. So I changed it and I went, it's 150 miles a day for the first um, eight days and then we're gonna do the last one together we're gonna to put them together we do 300 and 302 miles something in one go on the way back from sterling castle in scotland back to england um and you have people looking at me going what the hell are you doing turned out it was really really hard that's the hardest thing i've ever done and i remember all- you saying at the end of that when we were all at the park as you came yeah. in that you would never do another challenge I'd- again and I, then about I, a month later, you announced the next one. Well, I mean, the mad thing is, I don't remember coming into the park. 
Because I got no, so that was that was the roughest. That is the roughest. That's the roughest one I've ever had. That was because it's exhaustion levels. That's mental. Mm. Most recently, that was it was a fun one. That one I did a marathon pulling a plane. That was good. Good world record. The first too. lockdown, wasn't it? Uh, that was in um, September. September. Yeah, so it's the in between bit between it all yeah. opened up, um, and that was good though. That got a Guinness World Record and everything like that. One point two million did you, views. Did you just say that was the fun one? It was, yeah, something about, yeah, just because it's never been done before. I'm like, oh, this is really good. Yeah. Um, and then this is the last one I'm doing. I'm not doing another one because I'm, 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 I'm... Are we going to hold you to that now? Because you're getting saying, on, I'm getting, you're recording saying every, everything that hurts. Now. I just hurt now. I wake up in the morning and like I stretch and I go, and it's not good. Um, my next one, I'm, I'm trying to do essentially what is going to be, I think, the world's hardest Ironman event. Um, okay. So all in one go, I'm doing a cycle again. And it's a long one. I'm doing a 250-mile cycle. In a, in a in a weighted vest though, just to make it more fun. Yeah, and then get obviously. Off, <laughs> then get off the bike, um, and I'm jumping into the open water, um, and I'm doing a five mile open water. Without the vest, I'm hoping. Without the vest, <laughs> vest and then get out of the water, and then I run a marathon to Elvington, the airfield, and then I strap up to a car branded up with the charities stuff, and I pull that two and a half mile down the runway to finish it all off. But the reason it's more extreme is one, obviously it's got a weighted vest and stuff like that. But two is a normal Ironman is a 110 mile cycle. I'm doing 250, um, a two mile swim or 1.8 mile swim. I'm doing five mile. And then there's no car pull down a runway at the end. So it's going to be really good. This, this next one will be the biggest and the biggest and the hardest one, but I've organized a lot more with it. I've got people coming from all over the country to arrive at that point, but it's going to be When's that one. When are you doing that one? That's July, that one. That's the July. 17th of July coming up, yeah. Okay. And who, so what in, charities I'm, are you looking for for that one? Oh, these these go into a local charity called Ollie's Army, which is battling against but it's kids who um, suffer from Batten's disease. And when we say oh, suffer right, from, okay. when like, like me suffering, it, oh, it's awful. awful. Yeah, it's not absolutely nice, Absolutely horrendous. But, I mean, what's mad is, I think, because I've got that weird, obsessive personality, this one, because I brought more people involved, everybody just seemed to want to be involved with it. They seem to, like warm to the idea they, they, they say that i'm very um persuasive very mm. addictive personality and things like that and they're like oh, do you know what i'll join in with him yeah i'll join in with him and now what we've got is it's going to be amazing because my last one is essentially like a big movement now it's mm. so many people i mean there could be there could be five six seven hundred people all on the airfield now when we finish it so it could be really good really oh it good. sounds amazing but again some people don't get brilliant. it I just, just get it. yeah, but I think you have a natural aura around you that you pull people in. Um, mm. So whether that's at the club or whether that's in these crazy challenges, um, you do have that kind of um, way to, to engage people. Um, yeah. which I think is one of the gifts around um, neurodiversity is you do have a gift to pull people in. But I think there's also sort of as a person looking in a slight. Um, what's the word I'm looking for like intrigue because it's like okay these these challenges get crazier and crazier and it's like I couldn't do anything more <laughs> yeah and you kind of go what's going to happen so there's almost like a kind of weird sort of intrigue that comes that people go god I need to see this I need to see how this plays yeah. out well what's weird is you said then like a bit of an aura so uh, another coach Ian Brew one of the coaches at the club yeah he says a joke. It's non it's an ongoing joke forever. When anyone says, God, Carl's Carl's a bit, he's a bit intense. He's a bit, he's a bit go, 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 isn't he? And Ian always says the same thing. He says, if the club closed tomorrow, he'd be a very successful cult leader. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's amazing. I could be a cult leader. 
quite happily. Come on, yeah. guys. And do you know what makes me laugh at that? The, not in regards to you, but some some other clubs, shall we say, have had a certain um, cult, culture addressed to them as well, haven't they? Yes. Oh, they have indeed. They have indeed. Very different. Very different, but definitely, um, I think you definitely have that kind of vibe. I think that's probably why the club's so successful as well, because, yeah. you know, even now... You know, Beth's been away for the club a while, but she still sees that as the energized family. And you know, yeah. you create that environment that it is that supportive, kind of isn't it? It's, 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 yeah. it's a supporting group. I like to think of it as it's 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 a almost like a select group of like-minded individuals to form a whole, which you know, is individuals are quite small as a whole. It's quite a good thing because you look at yeah. someone who's a young athlete when they step onto the mat, even though the family, the friends, the coach are only five feet away, it's a lonely place to be. So yeah. they've got to make sure that they still feel as if they're in a good, safe environment. Absolutely. And I think as well, sort of from what she says to me, you know, she she learned a lot in a very short space of time with you. And I think that becomes from the level of detail that you put into planning your sessions, which probably comes from... It's the, the relentless analysis thing yeah. again, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, she came on so quickly. But the one thing that she loved was that none of your sessions were ever the same. No. And they were always <laughs> high intensity. No. Um, and, you know, and I think if, if you're looking at mirroring and parallels, it very much is, your sessions are very much like you. You know, it's yeah. high intensity. There's that level of detail. But there's that fun element. Yeah, well, you think about it. I mean, the ADHD thing, remember, all, all the time is you don't like something to be point A to point B. And so if we did, if, if it's just like, if it's just like, it goes that way. And then you go, I want to find a few different ways. Let me just find out how to do things my way and see if it works. If we do that in a normal lesson, if we do that in like a, a you know, a, a normal kickboxing class and I go, look, this goes there like that, go. And we just do that forever. There's no finding your own way around it. So my job is to try and find, you know, a million different ways to extend the arm that way and give a, diff a million different reasons as to why that way might work. And eventually everybody finds their own way, don't they? Mm. Everyone's going to be a little bit different. So I feel that does work pretty well. I think that has is done, probably, it? it has done. Proof's let's, in the pudding. I was going to say, let's let's not mince our words here and, you know, pats on the back. It definitely does work because of, you know, I know obviously the Irish Open hasn't happened this year. We topped it though this year. Last yeah, year we topped it. That's what I was going to say. You were at the top. So for that level of competition, it yeah. definitely works. There's a good looking fella won as well, I hear this year. That, that year, sorry. Oh, yes. I won I it. Heard. Somebody came out of retirement, didn't they? In, in, in the vets, though. Do you know what I mean? I, can't, I couldn't win it in the, in the. I'm not finding a 19 year old Russian. <laughs> I feel my own age. Thank you very much. But I think it's just brilliant. I think what you said really was key there. In some of the sports, Let's be honest, there has to be the drills. That's what fine-tunes yeah. the athletes, regardless of what sport it is. But it can be really boring, and they're the things that the kids don't want to do. If you were doing them same drills, but each time it's slightly different, or each time you're explaining it a different way, they're, they're more engaged, aren't they? And, and I think, you know, yes. talk, thinking about what we talked about earlier with the schools, well, it's being flexible in the thinking, isn't it? And, and being creative yeah. in the thinking. It's, it's, I think the best way to describe it is called disguised repetition. That's the best way. So disguised repetition, you, you are, you're, you're doing the same thing, but you're doing it. You are, you are dressing up in a different way or you're explaining it in a different way or giving a complete new outlook on what it is that you're doing. Basic disguised repetition. And it works really, really well. So if you've got a kid, let's say you've got a kid who struggles to learn something 
in the way that you're doing it by using disguised repetition you may be able to accidentally stumble on a way that all of a sudden engages and they go oh so that's what you mean by that so having different ways is always going to bring the best out in everybody students coaches the works but I think that's something that can definitely be took forward into schools you know that disguised repetition there must be so many different ways that that can be done um yeah within a school system and it sounds so simple yeah well also the way in which well the way in which you discipline kids as well that's a that's a weird one okay so something we do a little bit differently here is that um if you do for example how quick you focus on a negative word if speaking to a child and it's a weird one this i got this from the child psychology that i did so you say to a kid that was absolutely fantastic you were really really good but if you try and do it like this instead kids will automatically dead weird of all that you just said fantastic amazing i was really happy with and then you said but and they'll just say oh that's the one so change but to if it takes a second that was absolutely fantastic Mm. amazing if you want it to be even better do it like this and then when they when they attempt it even if it isn't better when they attempt it fantastic and then you've got a praise correct praise or praise challenge praise as it's Mm. more commonly known but the best one is if you've got a kid who quite clearly can see is struggling i do this any kid who's got adhd so easy is you give them a really quick reward without picking up on a single negative that they've done so you got so you got three kids sitting in a line on the floor. You've got two who are sitting well. You've got one kid who's got ADHD who is rolling around all over the place. Okay, so you turn to the kid who's rolling around all over the place and you go, Oi, oi, Johnny, Johnny, hands on knees, hands on knees. Not like that, not like that, not like that. Not only now are you not giving attention to the two kids who are good, you're giving a load of attention to the one kid who is misbehaving and not following on. So instead, what you do is you completely ignore the kid who's not doing anything, who, who's actually rolling around, and you do something brilliant to do the two. So you've got, oh, yeah, well done, fantastic. And then you give them some kind of physical reward. I do it with a sticker. So I go to the one on the left, oh, that's amazing. You're sitting, and your hands on your knees, a sticker, well done. And you turn to the next one. And that, by the time that kid's gone, but I want a sticker. Then you go past mm. that kid, you go to the next one and go, well done, you get one. That kid, all he needs to do is do a little bit. He doesn't need to go in straight into perfect position where he sits with his hands on his knees. But all of a sudden, if he sits up there, go, oh, that's much better. You have one as well. Instantly goes, oh, I like that. Not mm-hmm. one bit of negativity, not one bit of forced praise, but or he had to make an adjustment in order to get there. Second time you do, it'll be more and more and more. And before long, that kid has fit into the nice group really, really easily. And you don't need to belittle the child. You don't need to pick fault or correct anything like that. It's mm. all done. And I call that one um, proximity praise. So you're finding somebody in close proximity to the individual that you want to try and bring the best out of and then find a way to bring them and engage them without physically, t- without actually mentioning to them that they're doing anything wrong. I like that one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a brilliant one, that, because as well, you know, you're not giving attention to the negative behaviour. And, nope. and a lot of kids, unfortunately, negative attention is better than no attention, isn't it, sometimes? Oh, God. So, well, tried and tested. You remember, what do they make you do? Yeah. Back, in, back in the day, they make you stand in a corner, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. Stand in a corner, face, face to the wall. wall. Brilliant. <laughs> Can you imagine that now? Oh, my gosh. What a nightmare that was, but yeah, that's lines. not great. Well, look at the, the bad kid to do lines. We get the bad kid to do this, the bad kid to do that. Yeah. The problem is, as soon as you do that, that kid resents that teacher. Absolutely, now that teacher yeah. wants them to do something good. No, get the kid on your side. I think one of the main things that I found is that with my lot is that say my last challenge, the, the, the play marathon, I had all of the people, my support people, I had a big group of them and um, five of them were kids who I've had since they were four years of age, four and five years of age, and they're now 19 and 20. Now, if I'd have been an arse to them at any point, 
over them, especially getting through those, the tough years with boys and girls when they then get interested in boys and girls. And, I, and if I was a bit arsy with them in any way, shape, form, they would have nothing to do with it in the slightest. They all gave up all of their time to come down to the airfield and they just walked with me for 24 hours as I pulled this plane, absolutely exhausted. So if you generate and if you build that really good relationship with a student and you do it in a way that is positive and you don't pick out on the negatives all the time, they become not a teacher student, but more of like a friend with respect. Mm. So that's the weird thing. It's not a friend and a friend. It's a friend with respect, which is, yeah. which is essentially a teacher. That is a yeah. teacher. Um, it's when you get the teacher, I'm a teacher. So listen to me. That's not a teacher. That's no. not a teacher. That's a, that's a failed teacher. But I think that's when that kind of power imbalance comes and that lack of equality and kids are really good at picking up on that kind of uh, authoritative power, aren't they? Um, You know, so I know in terms of sessions when I'm working with kids, you know, even down to how we dress has not to be in a authority power position. You know, so when I'm in schools, they don't like the fact that I might turn up in jeans, but it's like, I'm not a teacher. I'm yeah. not a member of staff and actually mm-hmm. I'm not above them. There's an equality there. And, and that's what makes it work. But I know with, with Mikey, if, if one teacher says a couple of things to him that are negative, that resentment you talked about is there yeah. and he can't let go of it. No, it's come really on quick. Dif- it's really difficult for that teacher to pull it back, even if they're trying because he's it's in his head and he can't you know, let yep. it go. Yep. So I think that's a testament to you that you've had them kids for all of them years and they're doing that for you. And that, like you said, that word respect, isn't it? Respect works both ways. It do, Oh, it does indeed. It does indeed. I mean, the good thing is I've never really, it's very rare. I mean, rarely, let's say, like, of all the, let's, let's say we're about it, of all the time in a class, very rare that I'd ever shout. I mean, we're talking mm. like rare. Now what happens is though, because it never happens once a year, Jeff, you shout in a lesson, everyone goes, oh, shit, it means business now. It means yeah. business like that. And then back to nothing again. And it's just, and they go, oh, okay, there's a point. There's a point. But if I say, if I say to like, let's say I've got some big, I've got some big characters in my team. Um, and I've got 35, 40 of them on a four. And in a, in a fight class, so testosterone pumping. They're all about to do fighting. And I go, right, guys, come down the middle and just have a sit over here. I won't shout it loud. I'll say it at that at that at that volume, they'll all come to the middle and all listen to every single word. And no point am I going, oi, oi, listen, eyes, eyes on me. Listen, why aren't you paying attention? Why aren't you paying attention? You go over there. Is that the ultimate thing? I think it's like we said at the very start of this, you said, what do you think we need to do in terms of schools to try and do it? It's you just modernize your teaching, modernize your coaching, modernize your teaching. And unfortunately, a lot of teachers, you get there's there's a lot of, you know, younger teachers coming in now, but you've still got like, the old school teachers mm-hmm. who I've mm-hmm. seen who don't do this, don't do that, sit up, what are you doing like that? There's still, there's still look, a few of them around. Look how much time they must be wa- wasting though, doing exactly what you were saying. Then the eyes on me, put that down, do this, <laughs> do that. When actually just a few little tweaks would have most kids engaged. And, yeah. you know, I've, again, when I was speaking to, to the person at Mikey School today, I found, um, I think it was through the ADHD website, stand up desks and what the what they're doing is offering free trials to schools to have these stand up desks there for, for kids and I'm like there must be loads of teachers out there going not a chance am I having any of that in my classroom but actually you know I know with Mikey when he's eating his tea he can't sit and eat his tea so then he'll go <laughs> he'll get up from his chair and I'll go 
Mike will come back to the table and he'll go, but I don't want to sit down. I'm like, I'm absolutely happy with you to stand up and eat your dinner, but you need to come back to the table and eat. But yeah. You can stand, you can sit. It's not a massive disrespect if a child needs to be stood to do something. Um, yeah. And it is, I think it is that modernization of people's thoughts, I guess. Well, think about how schools, we go back, we go back like proper in the day. We're talking before, before my time in school and everything like that. The way in which kids were so, everyone goes, oh, kids were so well behaved. Do you know why? There was an incentive that they could be hit with a stick. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? So fear was a big part of that level of it. They, they are essentially mm. feared into respecting. Can't do that now. So they've got to find a different way. So, so what they've done is they've replaced, they've replaced a cane with a lot of them, um, a very sharp tongue. Sit down, do this. Do, 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 do. doesn't work there now because when the kids are scared that they're going to get with a stick, they'll go, okay, then fair enough, I'll do that. Now you say to a kid, they go, jog on, not listening to that. Yeah. I'm going to go and play Fortnite. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. that, that, that's the difference that is the difference yeah and it is that fear factor's gone you know in my opinion rightly so but like you say they've not really compensated for that with something else you know I think what they call it in a lot of schools is positive discipline and I just yes. think even the, the word in discipline you know yeah. what about positive encouragement you know <laughs> <laughs> not even not even praise because praise can have a negative connotation if it's over praise but just like positive encouragement or something you yeah, know yeah. I just don't get the whole positive discipline but yeah I don't know so if you had a message for anybody out there now that is a young person or even an adult um that might be struggling a little bit um with maybe accepting uh, a recent diagnosis or struggling with with relationships and things like that what would your advice be to them uh, really simple really simple you can't change it so you have to embrace it and that's just kind of one of them things and it goes hand in hand with what whatever you've been dealt you have to embrace what you've you know what you've got you've got you've got people who are this you have people who are who are deaf who are blind who have got all of these you know different things They've just got, unfortunately, it's one of the things you have to find a way to, to live with it and try and find the positive side out of it. Because if you dwell on things that don't, that don't make you, that don't give you your perfect life, you don't focus on all of the good things that there are, you know, you'll find there, there's always good ways to get out of there. So not try and force it, not try and change it, just more embrace it and learn to actually enjoy the things that come mm. kind of along with it. I reckon that's the, for ADHD especially, I think that's bob on. Easiest advice you can get, but pretty clear, cut and to the point. Absolutely, and no, I agree. I think the uh, the definite, the fun aspect and uh, I guess the extremities sometimes like your challenges, but, you know, what a wonderful way to live. You're constantly pushing yourself. And, God, yeah. I mean, I'm finding you know, that limit soon. I'm not going to lie. I'm, now I'm not going <laughs> to find that limit now, but... Do you know, I'm, I'm going to hold my breath on this one, Carl, that um, not another challenge gets announced in about six months' time. So I'll, I'll wait with bated breath. You'll believe there's, there's a, so a load of my students have, 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 put, have, have put a bet on it, saying we'll be the last one. I've said, I've, I've said it's the last, I've announced it's the last one. They're all putting bets on, going, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm kind of with them, you know. Teenagers with no money, 20 quid bets. <laughs> So good luck with the challenge and we will definitely be there to support you with it. Well, you're not far away, are you? No, not at all. Thank you so much for this, Cal. I really appreciate it. Not a problem at all.